0: Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles. Man, I love opening the Word of God. And we're going to cover just uh, verses 22 to 24 today, since we didn't get to touch it last week. Last week, we did a sermon uh, called The Bank of Heaven. Do you remember that? The bank in heaven, the bank of heaven. We talked about storing up our treasure in heaven. And today we will look at um, a sermon I'm titling, though it's kind of part two of this sermon, since we didn't get to talk about it last week. The title of the message is Window of the Soul." The window of the soul. We talked last week about storing up treasure on earth because it's all going to waste away and how scary it can be to find all of our treasure on earth and invested nothing eternally in heaven and to wake up in heaven all of a sudden to enter in one day and realize we did nothing. For God's kingdom in those ways. All of our treasure, all of our assets, everything that we had was kind of just for our kingdom. It was for my kingdom. We forgot about God's kingdom. We contrasted that last week. Did you hear about the old lady? Yeah, maybe you did. The old lady who was uh, sitting there. What happened was they were raising money for a missions trip and the pastor got up and said, hey, the person who gives the highest Bid of donation to missions this week. We'll get to pick out three hymns at the end of the service, three songs you get to choose if you want to. There'll be any choice of your liking. The old lady's like, What? And she writes down a giant check and puts it in there. And of course, as the pastor collects the donations, he goes through it, the service is over. They come out and they say, Hey, little old lady in the back is the one who won. He said, Really? So he says, Little old lady in the back, what would you like? What hymns would you like to pick out since you made the biggest donation? She pointed up at the front and said, I'd like to take him, him, and him. <laughs> Just a joke. Come on. We want to figure out how to pay dividends into eternity because that is where we will be forever. I know that life can seem like a long time, especially when you're young. Remember being in sixth grade? It's like I just cannot wait to get out of school and get out of this life of going to school. I hate this. And when time starts to move by fast, you wake up one day and you realize, like, wow, I'm kind of halfway through life, it feels like. I, I don't know how many more years I have. Then... Once you advance into years, and you know you're advanced in years, you start realizing you don't have many left. And you say, wow, life went by so fast. James calls life, the Apostle James calls it a vapor. That it's here and gone. Just like that. And really, when you think of eternity in comparison to our lives, How long is 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years in comparison to a million years, times a billion years, times a trillion years? And that's only the beginning of eternity, because eternity is forever. And so we have this little dash between two dates that goes on our tombstone that we call life. And we get to make decisions. We get to plan and project. And we get to spend this life really the way that we want to. And each day we are spending it. You're spending your time. And it's good for us to stop and reflect and to see how we are spending it because it will be over quickly before we realize it. My grandma's birthday was on Friday. She's 90 years old. My grandma Tag, she made it to 90, and she's like, I know, she's like, I feel the same as I felt when I was 60, I still feel the same. I'm like, maybe a couple more aches and pains, but it's just the same. I'm like, grandma, you've lived like three lifetimes. And so we got her an iPhone for her birthday. She had an old flip phone. She said, this phone is ancient. I said, I know, Graham, you need a new one. So we got her an iPhone so we can FaceTime her. But she remembers real dial-up, you know, turning the, uh, the, the dial. You see, time goes by quick. And this life goes by quick. And we will spend our life more alive than ever before in another place. Far more than the place that we are here. And we've got to get our minds there. When we get our hearts and our minds there, we actually have peace. We actually have hope. We can de-stress. Get our eyes off of the things in front of us that mean so much and are such a big deal that are stressing us out. And remember that this place is ultimately not our home. We're just passing through. We're on a journey. That's what I want to get us to think about again today. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you. I hope it enlightens you. I hope it gives you peace. Today we'll finish this text on this topic. Jesus gives us a picture of the eye. Yes, these eyes being the window into your soul. These eyes being the window into your heart. And then he points out that we cannot serve both God and money, that it's either one or the other. What is money for? What's its purpose? How are we to manage it? If it's so much a part of our lives, why are we disconnected from it so much regarding spiritual things? It's really interesting. It's like, no, I keep the cash over there and I just keep my spiritual things over here. Bible over here, money over there. It's really interesting when you link to the church. I understand why. It's because people have abused the use of money in church and manipulate people and try to get them to give maybe more than they should they uh, coerce people and work old ladies over for cash on tv and they buy uh, million dollar jets and do all these crazy things and they they drive around in ridiculous cars that no preacher should be driving in and uh and they they don't blink an eye at it they just say keep sowing a seed because god's going to bless you if you give me more money and they're working them over and it's really sad and that is why so many people are skeptical about money in the church. How should we be as a church? Transparent and honest. We 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 should be godly in all things regarding finances. And Jesus knows that this is a huge problem in the human heart, and so that's why he talks about. You know that money is brought up over 2000 times in the Bible. It's brought up more than heaven and hell. Yes, and stewarding what to do with these things. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6, just a couple verses. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We'll look at Jesus' words and dive right in together. What do you say? All right, Matthew chapter 6. Take a look at verse 19 again. We'll read to 24. We'll get our context. We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose words we are reading. It's not mine. It's the Lord Jesus. Jesus Himself is saying these things. Take a look. Verse 19, he says, "Do not lay it for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay it for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is unhealthy, or I'm sorry, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal your truth to us. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen and empower us. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we study your word. I do pray, Lord, even in these topics, that we would be encouraged, that we would not feel down, but we would be encouraged and strengthened in these things as we receive today and as we leave this place. Enlighten our Open our ears. Fill us with joy and peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, we looked at the ways we can store treasure in heaven. Do you remember them? Four very practical ways. Number one, it's giving to the local church and the mission of the local church to take care of the local church. So that we can keep making disciples, keep preaching the gospel, and keep carrying on ministry here in the city of L.A., our local church. Number two is being generous with people in Jesus' name. When you help out somebody, a friend or family member, or maybe a homeless dude on the street, you help them in Jesus' name. I give to you, not in the name of Hare Krishna, no. Not in the name of Buddha, I'm sorry. I give to you in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he changed my life. Will you receive this in the name of Jesus? Because he has been generous with us. Number three, we help others in the church, people in the church. If you see a need and you know you can take care of it, you just take care of it. That's what we do as Christians. We take care of each other. We help each other. We help one another when one is weak or overtaken. And we strengthen each other. And that's the beauty because we all have seasons where we have difficulty and we need a friend. We need a brother or a sister to lift us up. And maybe it's not of monetary value. Maybe it's just a prayer or a word of encouragement Whatever, or just spending some time together, going out to lunch, hanging out, doing coffee. There are all kinds of ways that we can strengthen, encourage each other. Sometimes it's in a monetary way. We're able to bless them by buying them what they need or giving them a check to help pay for that bill. Praise God for many of you. I praise God for many of you who do these things secretly. You just take care of people. You're amazing. God has taken care of you and you take care of other people. Praise God for you. Use all the, number four, use all the material you have for God's glory. Like I said, um, use all of it for God's glory if you can bless others with it. Hey, enjoy cool stuff. Have fun. Have a blast. We actually, uh, I got the joy and, and blessing to go uh, flying with one of the brothers this last week. He's actually partial owner of a small plane. And we flew 25 minutes to Riverside to go and have lunch with a brother and bless him. And he thanked us like three or four times just saying, man, I missed the fellowship with the brothers. Thank you for doing that. I thought to myself, man, a cool little plane trip of 25 minutes ended up being a blessing for another brother. What's the purpose of these material things? What are we using them for? To run around flashing to show status and how great we are? Or are they to bless others? It's okay to have things. It's okay to have material things. You just have to ask the question, do you own them or do they own you? And you have to ask the question, is this for my glory or has God gifted me these things to use it for his glory? If God's given you a nice space, bless other people with hospitality. If God has given you some finances, bless other people with taking care of them. If God has given you an, I don't know, whatever it may be, figure out how to use it for his glory. I used Kenny Popwell as an illustration last week where he bought this crazy fishing boat. He would take all these dudes out on a fishing boat for two, three days. We'd go out there and we'd have Bible study and worship and hang out on the boat and fellowship. And then we'd fish and catch sharks and crazy tuna. And like, it was incredible. We have fun and we worship God out there. He said, this boat's gone when we stop doing that. I love that. I love that mentality. We're figuring out how to use what we have for God's glory. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Praise God. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then this will happen. It just naturally happens. I see people who are generous. God just blesses them. He blesses them with peace and happiness and joy. Just people who are generous. You know what I mean? It's like Santa Claus. It's like people who are just giving all the time to other people and help them out. These people are joyful. But then look at old Scrooge McDuck. All stingy and greedy. Bah humbug. Heck, he's ticked all the time. He's all bent out of shape. He's all mad and bummed because he's stingy. He doesn't get to experience the joy of blessing others ever. I didn't realize this when I was young. I was like, yeah, give me everything. Give me me everything because I don't have anything. Now I I don't even know what I need anymore. I I have got all that I need. God has taken care of me. He's provided me. I have what I need. Now my joy is to bless others. My, My joy is to watch what God does when I bless others. That is way more freeing to me. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that as a child. But once you start doing it, it's addicting. It's fun to bless others. Yesterday, we were at Malibu. We were surfing. Waves are overhead if you're a surfer. It's going off. So if you want to get some, you better get some today or tomorrow. It's going off. All the pros are down there right now. It's so fun. But I was sitting there as a homeless dude. Uh, he's, he's, he's stealing stuff out of the back of people's cars. <laughs> and uh, Kitty and I were sitting in line watching. And he pulls these, uh, these like Converse shoes at the back of this dude's truck. And he starts slipping them on. No joke, a sheriff is walking on the on the sidewalk and he walks up and he's like, um, sir, um, are those your shoes? And he's like, um, yeah, these are my shoes. You know, I'm putting them on right now. He's like, no, I think he stole them. He's like, no, no, I didn't steal them. These are my shoes. See, they fit nice. And he's like trying to like squeeze them on. Long story short, we saw the guy later with the shoes on. You know, I think the sheriff knew, you know, he's, he's jacking some guy's shoes. And what is he gonna do? The guy's feet are all jacked up, they're bloody everywhere, and the guy could handle some shoes. I wouldn't be surprised if when the owner walks up, he say, he say, Sir, you know, these are some shoes here, I'll buy you some new shoes. He only had one shoe on, so I don't know if he took the shoes, brought them back and put the other on, but something happened. And I was just standing back thinking to myself, I've never in my whole life thought about not having shoes. I got lots of shoes at home, and if some dude wanted to steal some out of the back of my car, I was literally just like, how are we at this point? We can go at the go down the line of figuring out whether or not the guy deserved the shoes and all the bad things he's done in life and why he doesn't deserve shoes. Somebody just give the guy a pair of shoes. We have too much. We're okay. Honor the Lord with what you have. Let's talk about the eye and our focus, our purpose and our motive for a second. It's very interesting to me that Jesus says, "Don't store up treasure on earth, store it in heaven," and then starts talking about the eyes. And then at the end of that, it's not random. At the end of it, he says, "You can't serve God in money. It's like, what do eyes? What do the eyes have to do with any of this stuff? He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? There's two parts here we're going to break down, and the first is the eye. The eyes fill the heart. The eyes fill the heart. What have you set your eyes on? The pursuit of money, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of God. Really, what we set our eyes on is what our heart is full of. It's like a camera. You see, when you, whatever you point the lens towards with a camera, and when you press record, it's what the camera soaks in, remembers, and records. It's what the storage fills up with. The same is true with the eye. Whatever you set its focus on, it's recording and storing and soaking in. And where is the memory storage in your body? It's your heart. And so whatever comes through the eyes, whatever you set your lens on, you press record. That's what starts filling up the heart. Whatever the camera of your eye is recording, your heart will be filled with. If it is darkness, your heart will be full of darkness. If it is light, it will be full of light. Now the big question, what do you set your eyes on every day? What is your heart being filled with? What is the cameras taking in? Remember, it is not simply what goes into the eye visually. No. But the motive in which we are viewing or pursuing these things. For instance, it's not bad to focus on making money. It's bad when it's all we focus on and think about when we focus on it with greed and we aren't generous. We have to focus on making money because we have to go to work in order to create some type of lifestyle where we can buy food and have a place to live. This is part of life. But the way in which you view it, the way in which you focus on it, The motive in which you are viewing and soaking in, there's two ways to look at it. Now, isn't there? Why has God given me this? Why am I pursuing this? Why am I building this bank account? Why? Answer that question. The motive answers everything, the way that you are taking it in and storing it. Well, I'm going to do it so that people will respect me. I'm going to do it because I'm going to dominate everybody in my field, and I want them to worship me. And I'm not giving anything away. Or... No, I'm building this bank account so I can bless a lot of people and help a lot of people. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to take care of the kingdom of God. That is my mission, my purpose. That's why God's gifted me in knowing how to make money. I used to tell young people this in the college career ministry all the time. I'd say, please, learn how to become billionaires and fund the kingdom of God. Take care of all the missions work, dig all the wells that we need to dig, get Bibles to everybody, wipe out the food problem, wipe out the water problem on the earth, get the gospel into all parts of the world. Would somebody please figure this out and use the billions for God's glory? What else are you going to do with it? When you die, it's just left to other people. You better use it for God's glory before you step into eternity. How do you view making money? You see that? It's a small difference, but it's major in the way that it soaks in and records in your heart. What is the purpose? It's not bad to focus on success and accomplishing, focusing, setting your eyes on it, as long as we don't worship it and pursue it at all costs. I'm going to be successful no matter what. I will smash and put down anybody. I will step on anybody. I'll be cutthroat in anything in order to gain. That's not right. Not at all costs. It's not bad to focus on women, brothers, especially if it's your wife or single guys, as long as it's in love in the pursuit of marriage and not in lust. Another flip there. You can either pursue in true love in marriage with your wife, or there is another way through the eyes to store in lust. It's not bad to focus on material things as long as they don't overtake our lives. And that's all we think about, and that's all we pursue It's okay to enjoy nice things. I love it. I really do. I enjoy it a lot. But it cannot be the main focus in life. Because if it is, when it's taken away from you, your heart will fall. Your mind will fall. You'll be depressed because you don't have it anymore. You see this happen all the time. People get rich and famous and successful and then it's all taken away in a couple years and they're like left with nothing. Nobody calls them anymore because their whole life was set on that. Be careful. Motive and the process in which we view through the eyes, through the lens, this is what Jesus is talking about, is very important. This is what Jesus is pointing out in not storing up treasure on earth. Don't store up idols in your heart through your eyes. Be careful not to covet another person's things. Be content with what you have in Jesus' name. You got some shoes on? Good. But I want those new kicks. I know. Me too, they're fun but I'm good. I'm thankful. The Lord's taking care of me. It's important to remember that we don't have the power to give ourselves new eyes or new hearts. Anybody know how to do that? Anybody want to come up here and do a little magic trick show me how to do new eyes, new hearts? Healthy eyes and healthy hearts? It's amazing, you get your eyes worked on, you get surgery done on them, get some LASIK done. You can even get a heart transplant, put that in there. But magically, there's somehow still greed in that heart. Wow, why can't I heal that part of it? That only comes through daily dependence on the Lord Jesus. I wish I could make my eyes to only see light today, but I can't. That's a supernatural work of God, and so I need to go to Him daily in prayer to help me grow in this way. Me too, as a pastor, I need to go to the Lord daily. I have to. These eyes have taken in way too much darkness, way too much recording in my heart. I have sin and flesh in my bones just like you do. And I have to seek the Lord daily just like you do. I'm just a person. Trying to figure it out that for some reason has been equipped to teach a church. But I have real skin and real bones and real sin in my heart as well. And so I must continue to bring it before the Lord, continue to bring it before the Lord and ask to heal my eyes, heal my hearts. Give me eyes to see the way that you do, Lord. Give me heart to beat for you the way that you do. I want to grow in that way. It's dependence on the Lord daily. We know the non-believer has been blinded and they cannot see unless the Lord heals their blindness. Anybody know how to make a blind man see? Not me. Only God can do that. 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The Lord Jesus is the only one who can open the eyes of a person, And Keith Green sings about it. He says it was like waking up from the longest dream. How real it seemed until your love broke through. I was lost in a fantasy until your love broke through. God, it's all sudden like waking up and seeing in color. Wow! I have spiritual senses. I know the difference between right and wrong. I sense God telling me to get away from that or to get closer to this. Praise God! He opens our eyes. He gives us a new heart but we have to call on Christ, we have to call on God to save us and to give us new eyes and to give us new heart. The King David did this, the psalmist in Psalm 51, he said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. God, you alone can do this. Money is not the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually says, 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money is terrible. It's trash. Now it's just paper with ink on it. That's all it is, currency. But the love of it is the root of all evil. Loving it instead of loving God. It's interesting to ask someone, why do you want to go to heaven? And listen closely to the answer. They may say, because the streets are gold and it's peaceful. No war, no hunger. These are good things. But I'll never forget the preacher who said, I want to be in heaven because God is there. I want to be in heaven because God's there, not because of anything else. When I get to heaven, he said, if God isn't there, I don't want to be there. God is the treasure The relationship with him is the gift. He's the one who made heaven and earth. He's the one who owns it all. And going to him and the relationship with him is the gift. And that's what we pursue. That's what we set our eyes on. We set our eyes on God. We set our pursuit on him. That is the window into the soul. You set your eyes on him and let that tank be filled up. You set your eyes on him and let those cameras record more of him. Get that stored in your heart, in your memory. Solomon, the richest man to ever walk the earth, gives some wisdom on setting our eyes on riches and darkness in the pursuit of it. Ecclesiastes 5.10, listen to Solomon. This dude was a big baller. I mean, hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of dollars. This is gold and silver alone, but the properties that he built, the animals that he acquired, especially in that day and age, unreal. Unreal. The employees that he had, I'm just unreal. The assets go beyond, but Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money, he says, will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come help you spend it. He's so wise. So what good is wealth, he says, except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. People who work hard sleep well whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Solomon said this. He knew. He's like, I built all this, and I get, I'm not taking anything with me. Literally nothing. I don't even get to take my shoes with me. I'm walking into heaven with no shoes on. And I walk in. He walks in by himself. And he will stand before the Lord by himself. What riches will he bring into heaven? Only what's in his heart. That's all he's got. Everything else on earth is left. Only what he has stored in heaven eternally and what is in his heart. Isn't that amazing? Because we work so hard in this city to acquire. I know, I'm here too. These sermons are changing my mind and setting my gaze right as well. It's so easy to get caught up in the things of the earth. It's okay to enjoy what God has given you. Please do. But are you willing and ready to give it up any time for Jesus? If you need to bless somebody with it, you don't need it, give it to them. If you don't need it, give it to them. Who cares? You'll get another one. I'm not giving that away. No, I'm not letting them use that. Why not? God gave it to you. You give it to somebody else. Is there anything you won't give up for Christ? then you might be the rich, young ruler. You remember him? He saw Jesus walking by. This dude is rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. He has authority. Everybody on the planet knows him. He's rich and he's young. Everybody knows him. He runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. He says, I've kept every single command since I was a little boy. Really, you kept every command, Jesus says. And it says in the text, Jesus says, he looked upon him with love. I love this. And maybe with a twinkle in his eye, Jesus says to him, go sell everything you have and come follow me. And a big smile from Jesus. Come on, just go sell everything you have, come follow me. And it says the young guy, his head went down, he was sorrowful he walked away because he had many possessions. I seriously wouldn't have been surprised if Jesus would have just said, as he's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go sell it all. This is crazy. I don't know if I should do this. And the Lord's like, hey, 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 don't go sell it all. It was a test. I just want to see your heart. Now, come on, take all those riches. We've got some work to do. We've got to go bless these families. We've got to go do this thing. We're going to go and buy a boat. We're going to go over there and minister to those people. Let's go. For after all, in the book of Acts, there are many who are wealthy in those towns that Paul visited and they use their homes for church because they didn't have a temple to go to. Like, we got a nice home in town. You want to come do church at our house? He's like, let's do it. They would rally everybody and do church. There's something in all of our lives that Christ might be saying, go sell what you have and follow me. I don't know what that is for you. I have to figure out what that is for me. But you got to figure that out. Until you learn how to view money, you could be blinded in all other areas. Our eyes are cloudy, not focused on heaven, not focused on Jesus, but on earth. Money is a huge issue because it impacts every area of our lives. If we don't handle it correctly, our lives are not handled correctly. John MacArthur said this, how you handle your money is the key to your spiritual perception. How you handle your money is the key to your spiritual perception. That's probably why Jesus talks about it so deeply is because it is the one thing we are all attached to and we can't get away from and it can cloud our view. You ever see somebody lend money to a father or a mother or a family member or a friend and watch what money does to people. You watch those YouTube videos where people win the lottery and they got millions in the bank and like they wish they would have never got it. It was like the biggest curse of their lives. It ruined everything. Money changes things. Money changes people and it gets weird. That's why I got to put it in good context. Just hold it with open hands. Lord, what do you want to do? I trust you. You're either focused on heaven or on earth, storing in heaven or on earth. Your heart is in heaven or on earth. The proof is where you are storing it. Philippians 3, 14, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is him. My eyes are on him. The second part of this, Jesus says, we've already read it, you can only be devoted to one or the other your master and king, the Lord Jesus, God, or money. You can only be devoted. I like the word. Would you say devoted with me? Devoted. One more time. Devoted. This is, think about that word attached to money and God. Devoted. And people are devoted sometimes to cash on. Devoted, man. It's in every song. It's on every TV show. It's in every movie. It's always status symbol. Devoted. Devoted. Jesus says you can only be devoted to one. It can't be a division here. And so you've got to make that decision up in your heart and then figure out what that looks like in real time for your life. Devoted. John Calvin said, Where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. Let me say it again. Where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. If riches hold our heart, God doesn't. Psalm 73, 25, Whom I, do I have in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth, the psalmist says. 2 Peter 1, 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and excellence. Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, And all these things will be added unto you. I'll never forget King David when he had to make a sacrifice to the Lord because he had sinned. There was a farmer in town who tried to give him all the animals, thousands of animals, because he was the king. To make the sacrifice unto God. He's like, you're the king. Sir, let me do a favor for you. You're the king. Let me just give you all the animals. You can sacrifice whatever you need to God. He looked the man in the face and said this, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. If it doesn't cost me, I'm not giving it. And really, this is such a beautiful phrase. Because you want to know what it does to everybody, including me? I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. It's different for all of us. I can't figure out what costs you. You can't figure out what costs me. Only you know what offering and worship looks like to God. That's the beauty of this. He's gifted us in different ways. He has enriched us in different ways, and we all have opportunity to bless others with what we have. Christ has given all for us, praise God. He gave it all. We sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he's washed it white as snow. He paid everything, every single dime. He paid everything. He paid the highest price. The payment is the picture of a slave being paid for, redemption. Purchasing a person and purchasing their freedom. When you stepped up on the slave block, you know what Jesus said? Somebody's bidding like 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand. Wow, he looks strong. 300 grand, 500 grand. Jesus says, I will pay 100 trillion. What? Um, He's not worth that. I know, I will pay the highest price. I will give everything for my people. And that is exactly what he did. When I look at the investment God has made in us, I say, that wasn't a wise investment, Lord. (laughs) What are you going to get back on your return? You get 3% on this investment? (laughs) Hebrews 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. It is awesome. So I just continue to give and give and give unto the Lord, Pastor, how how, how should I give? I said, no, no, just give until the Lord stops giving to you. If the Lord is blessing you, you bless other people. It's really simple. Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge of Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ cannot and will not be devoted to the pursuit of money over Christ. As Christians, by definition, this is paper, man. We just need this stuff to buy stuff and to get by and to enjoy a little bit of life and just use the rest to take care of your family and your friends and your church. Just get it all right in order and use it for God's glory before this thing's over. By by definition as a Christian, Christ followers, we actually do the opposite of pursuing money. We pursue Christ. We follow Him. We use money as a means on the earth to bring glory to God. I love this story when I read it. It says, I remember once hearing a preacher tell a story which he assured us was simple, literal truth. It illustrates perfectly the point... we are considering. It's a story of a farmer who one day went happily and with great joy in his heart to report to his wife and family that their best cow had given birth to twin calves, one red one and one white one, two calves. And he said, you know, I've suddenly had the feeling and impulse that we must dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. We will bring them up together, and when the time comes, we will sell one and keep the proceeds and we will sell the other and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. His wife asked him which he was going to dedicate to the Lord. There's no need to bother about that now, he replied. We will treat them both in the same way, and when the time comes, we will do as I say. And off he went. And in a few months, the man entered the kitchen, looking very miserable and unhappy. When the wife asked him what was troubling him, he answered, I have bad news to give you. The Lord's calf is dead. But she said, you had not decided which was to be the Lord's calf. Oh, yes, he said, I had always decided it was to be the white one, and it's the white one that is dead. The Lord's calf is dead. And that seems the way it always is now, huh? It's funny. But we always, our heart, our mind, always wants to try to figure a way out. Why are we scared to invest in the work of God? A couple reasons. I think we're scared the account is going to go empty. And that means we're not trusting the Lord, the Lord who owns everything. He says in Psalm 50, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all the moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Everything belongs to him. We're nervous the account's going to drop if we give to the one who fills the account. How do we get here? Second reason we think we don't make enough money to give. We've talked about this last week. The poor woman in Luke 21. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, this poor widow has put more in there than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. We think because we give our talents and time to the Lord, he doesn't expect us to give money to. The difference between giving money and talents, this passage is about money. 1 Timothy 6, For the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor set their hopes on the uncertainties of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is true life. Gifts, talents, abilities, whatever it looks like, finances, resources of money, we just have to figure out what it looks like. It's different for all of us. The other reason is we don't give because we don't manage our own finances well. Many are held back from blessing others because we don't manage our own money correctly. And I'd like to close with a couple practical ways to help us do that. And that's how we'll end our study. Practical ways so that we can be freed from bondage and devotion to it and just use it for God's glory. Here are three practical applications. This is from stewardship.com. A guy by the name of Howard Dayton put it together, and I really liked the way that he did it. First is contentment. Step one, practical contentment. First Timothy 6.6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. You want gains? I want gains. You want gains in your account? You want to open that phone and find some gains? Contentment is the greatest gain. Godliness with contentment, where you're at today, you're the richest dude on the planet. If you're content. Your wealth goes beyond what the rich can even purchase because they're not content. Dayton writes, it's interesting to me that in God's economy, we actually have great gain when we're not driven by the quest for more. We all have different vices. Mine has always been discontentment, he writes. I've always wanted to accomplish more, better, faster, But here's the crazy thing. I've experienced the greatest gain when I was content, regardless of the outcome. It's okay to be driven to succeed, but it's unhealthy when success dictates our happiness. Family, when you're content in the Lord, you will spend less and spend wisely. You see, you see that you don't need this or that to gain happiness. You have the Lord, and He is our fulfillment, not more stuff. It's okay to buy things but not to put yourself more in the hole or not to set yourself up for the future of blessing God with what you have And people. Don't impulse buy. Do you get that? Don't do that. Think about it. Sit on it for a week or two. That's the practical way of doing it. It's like, this thing, oh my gosh, I want to get there. Do you really need it? It's a big purchase. Wait on it. Just wait a couple of weeks. A couple of days goes by, I don't even want that thing anymore. You almost burnt up all that cash on that. You know, you get that thing and then all of a sudden it's like sitting over in the corner after two weeks, you don't even use it. Like, why did I get that? See, if you really, really need or want that thing, find the best price. Please, Christians, please. We have Google, okay? Find the best price. Always find the best price. Don't pay full price for anything if you can. There are deals everywhere, all the time. You know, some of you don't have to do that, or maybe you did that when you were younger, but you don't have to do that now. And of course, that's fine. You understand your finances way better than I do, of course. But I'm telling you, if there is a way, find a better price. Second, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 13, 22. This verse keeps our life goals and our vision and our legacy front and center, our eyes focused on the goal when we're choosing how to use our money today. When we weigh what we want now against what we really want later, we realize how temporarily satisfaction pales in comparison to a legacy of purpose and fulfillment. The long-term, plan out the journey. Sit down and figure out a budget long-term, and really, everyone should have a budget. If there's somebody in your family, one of your friends, or in the marriage, one is better with money than the other, just let them do the budget. Everyone should have a budget. You should know how much money is coming in and going out every single month. Whether out, or figure out who can do this better. Mint.com, this is not a commercial. Mint.com is a great application that I use that really keeps track of every single, every single purchase, every single dime that goes in and out of the account. It's beautiful, it lines up everything. Download it. Figure it out. Listen, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Do you know that? I don't need a budget. I don't need a plan. You aim at nothing, you will hit it every single time. The only way, as the Bible says, is to leave an inheritance to your family and your kids and your grandkids is to plan and project. And let me add, I would never leave an inheritance to children, of course, who would squander it. I want to leave an inheritance to my family and kids who will continue to use it for God's glory. We need to teach them how to save and spend and how to give to the church. My dad, I told you guys last week, give me a quarter to tithe. I had my little quarter, I'd walk into church as a kid and my little quarter, go put it in the basket. That was my gift to the Lord. We didn't have much, but my dad says we're tithing anyways. Teach your kids. Buy only what you need. If you don't need it, don't buy it. But I want it! I know. Buy only what you need, then when it comes time to buy what you want from time to time, you can and you should. You can afford it. The people buy what they don't need and they find themselves with empty bank accounts, sadly. Proverbs 22 7 The rich ruler finally over the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Uh, I like this one because it speaks honestly about the relationship between the debtor and the creditor. And God wants us to be in a position to hear from him and to serve people in his name, not to be in bondage to payments and debt long term. And so I understand there's some healthy debts, maybe like a house and a car, but I'd be careful to over leverage yourself in car payments and credit cards and all the rest. You'll bury yourself and, uh, if, you're, if you're not already there. I was there. I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Um, I had car payments. I had all this stuff going on in my 20s, and a a wealthy man sat me down and said, No, no, you're cleaning this up. We're going to consolidate this. You're going to pay all of this off. You're going to save this. You're going to put this away. And then started showing me how to invest. And you're going to start investing and going this way, and this is going to be your direction. So thankful that somebody sat down and showed me how to do that. I don't make car payments. I don't like car payments. I don't have any car payments. I haven't had car payments for, I don't know, 10 years. 15 years. But we we pay everything off as we should if we can. I know it's not easy and it's not just something you snap your fingers and do. But if you can get yourself in that position, you don't have to make payments. All the cash that comes into your account, you can then invest it and compound interest and turn that thing over into the future and then be more generous and give away more and bless more people. You see, if you're, if you're tied down to all this debt, then it always comes in the back of the line, I can't because, I can't because, I can't because. And we stay there for our whole lives. Romans 13.8. Are you ready? Owe no man anything except for love. Isn't that good? Don't owe people stuff except for love. If you can get there, I'd encourage you to. It's not mandatory. I'm just trying to encourage you. I hope it's helpful I know it's awkward, but I hope it's helpful. Okay? We have a, um, a class that we were doing on Tuesday nights that we will kick back up in the near future. But if you haven't been able to do it, a financial piece with Dave Ramsey is really helpful. Um, financial peace is what it's called. Dave Ramsey, you can look that up online. It's a biblical uh, perspective on money and finances. And even if you don't accept everything and apply it to your life, it's definitely helpful and getting you moving in that direction. And we'll do one of those, car, uh, one of those um, classes in the near future as well. I always say, live off of 80% of your income, tithe 10%, and invest 5 to 10%. See that? Invest 5 to 10%, tithe 10%, and live off of 80%. If you can figure out that equation, forget it. You're going to be blessed. God's going to take care of you. You're going to be full inside and out. Proverbs 6.6, take lessons from the ants, learn from their ways, and become wise. They store for the winter. They get just enough, as much as they need, and they have plenty for everybody to go around. Praise God. If you get your money in order, life will change for the better. You can give more to God and more to people, okay? Can I give you one scripture and we'll close? Praise God for Jesus. Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all? Is God gonna bless me? Is God gonna take care of me? Is is God really going to show up? He's already given you the great he gave up his own son. All of this other stuff is pennies in comparison. He's gonna take care of his people. I've never seen the righteous go hungry. Never. God takes care of his people. If God takes care of the birds, he's gonna take care of you. Okay? He's gonna provide for you. Can we pray? Let's all stand up. Let's pray. Father, we worship you now. You have truly given us the greatest gift. You have truly already made the greatest purchase for us, the purchase of salvation. You have given us your very own Son. What does that cost? Everything else pales in comparison. We thank you for your generosity towards us. Lord, I do pray that money and currency would just be a means to get through life and to enjoy some good times and to bless a lot of people. That it wouldn't be a vice that chokes us out and drowns us and stresses us out and makes us anxious. Lord, give us a proper perspective of what this is for. It is a tool in your hands to be used for your glory. Teach us, strengthen us, empower us to be a generous people. People will be blown away by our generosity in the church, in the city of L.A. Lord, grow our hearts for you. In our families, with our friends, Lord, grow our hearts for you. We reflect on your gospel once again, remembering the work that you have done. We have sinned greatly against you, but you have paid the price for our sin to forgive us of all sin, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As we believe on your death, burial, and resurrection, Father, I pray that you would raise us to life. I pray that you give us new eyes and new hearts. I pray that you would encourage us and build us this day, that we'd have a new vision, and a new view of how to handle these material things, these things on earth. Help us to do it for your glory. We, do, we turn to you now. With all of our hearts, we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.